0: Welcome to Local Wire, a community news service podcast. My name is May Naguski. This past fall semester, 12 University of Vermont students sat down on the very first day of class, interviewed one another, and over the course of three months, learned how to become journalists. Today, we are going to hear from four of them. One vignette is about the renowned Burlington Farmer's Market. One is about an ookie spooky 5K, another about the Vermont International Film Festival, and the last one about an idea to combat food insecurity here in Vermont. So, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Here's Jared Papp with our first story.
1: A day at the Burlington Farmer's Market in its normal state shows how far Vermont has come since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. I attended the last weekend of the Burlington Farmer's Market in the city's south end. I got there around 10 o'clock, an hour after opening. The crowd was already lively, with about a 100 people milling around. My first move was to buy a homemade ginger beer from a small stand called Young at Heart to warm myself up while I browsed around the tents. Vermont artisans come here every Saturday during the summer season to sell their work. I hadn't had breakfast yet, so I was drawn to the food. It was a tough choice, but I went for the Green Mountain Potstickers. Jared, how many sets of chopsticks today? Uh, Just one, please. Thank you, sir. You too. appreciate it. Market director Hannah Stern says that this year's markets feel different than last year's. Here she is.
2: Yeah,
3: people last year were excited to be out, and now I feel like this year they're excited to be out and stay out, where they come to the market, do their shopping, and then they stay and have lunch and listen to the music and socialize with their friends.
1: I look
0: to the heavens to buy I try to fly off on a wing and
1: a prayer. I look to- I ended the day shopping at Martha Hall's tent. Martha's a local artist who's been a vendor at the market for six years. She's been back for the past two years after not vending in 2020. Martha thinks a farmer's market of this size, with around 90 vendors, is integral to a community. Here she is.
0: Well, it's a a Burlington institution, we've been going for 30 years, and it's a way for people to be able to meet the farmers, the, the bakers, the cheesemakers, the crafters and the artists one-on-one. You don't always get to meet the, those folks.
1: Martha says that the face-to-face interaction of the farmers market has a special significance to her.
0: I think it really enriches Burlington and I know it enriches me, being able to get the feedback from people about I get to hear people laugh out loud when they look at my art, and it's supposed to be funny. So, like, that's incredibly rewarding for me.
1: The COVID-19 pandemic isn't quite over, but the return of spaces like the Burlington Farmers Market and their truly normal states shows that Vermont seems to have turned a corner.
0: That was senior Jared Papp. This fall, Rock Point School in Burlington, Vermont, hosted its 18th annual Ooki Spooky Halloween 5K, raising around $1,500 for the Committee on Temporary Shelter. As Louise Scoville reports, the event brings together two Vermont organizations whose mission is to reshape how we approach challenges with a priority of building community. Here she is.
2: We would like this to be the first year that no
1: one
4: gets lost. 11-year-old Olive Knight has run in the Ookie Spooky 5K before. Today, she is dressed in a blue tutu and green striped socks.
1: I don't know what I'm wearing. I just like found it in my closet. Yeah, I've run this exact race before. I think I've run four other 5Ks. I actually came in second or third last time. Three, two,
5: one. The ookie spooky was the brainchild of two dorm staff at Rock Point, Brad Bannon and Emily Hazen.
4: CJ Spurrito is the head of the boarding school. The private co-ed school serves about 30 students. Rock Point focuses on specialized education, providing students with non-traditional learning opportunities to grow and connect with their peers. Since its inception, the race has raised money for COTS, the Center of Temporary Shelter, a local homeless shelter in Burlington. Molly Coffey, the Director of Marketing at Rock Point, organizes the event it becomes a real community spirit, right? Of, you know, everybody's dressed up, everybody's, you know, having a good time and including friends and family. I think that COTS became an organization that we felt aligned with, uh, for one thing, cause we work with teenagers and for them, the problem of homelessness is something that is very visible and they can feel very connected to trying to work with individuals and, or feel like they're helping individuals in our community. Rebecca Mott is Cots's marketing director. At COTS,
2: we believe that the solution to homelessness is not emergency shelter. Uh, We feel really strongly in investing in permanent solutions and systemic changes that address root causes related to homelessness. And so we provide a spectrum of services.
4: Cots's biggest focus is prevention. Mott explains that the effects of emergency housing can be traumatic for a family. Most of Kotz's efforts go towards taking steps to find sustainable and safe solutions for Burlington families. After the race, the contestants gather for the costume contest.
0: Hi,
5: my name is Susan Held. um, and Today, I decided to be a bag of groceries from Hannaford, which is actually one of my part-time jobs. So um, I used a box and a whole bunch of paper bags, a lot of hot glue and mostly empty boxes, but a few of these things still have food in them. So if anybody's hungry, I've got some snacks.
4: Almost no contestants left empty-handed from the raffle. Murphy Farron, winner of the under-12 division, brought home a great selection of prizes.
2: Murphy, and how was your race today?
4: Uh, good. Uh, kind of hurtful, though. Hurt, yeah. Have you done a lot of running in the past?
5: Uh, kind of. Not, not much uh, long-distance running, though.
4: Is this your first time running this race? Yes. And what prize prizes did you pick out today for your big win?
5: I got um, a, c- a chocolate cake and a uh, picture. A-
4: Organizers say the 2022 event brought in about $1,500,
0: surpassing their original goal. That was Luis Goville. The 2022 Vermont International Film Festival came to a close at the end of October after a month of screening over 60 films, shorts, and documentaries. This year, the festival came back in full swing after the coronavirus pandemic forced the organization to switch gears to accommodate virtual showings. Emma Otten has more from the directors of the Vermont International Film Festival about how the organization was able to adapt and face challenges brought on by the pandemic. Here's Emma. The Vermont International Film Festival, or VTIF, hosts programming
2: all year. That includes three annually occurring film festivals, monthly screenings, and other special events in Burlington. But its flagship event is the Vermont International Film Festival, held each October. Founded in 1985 by peace activists who are passionate about social justice, the festival claims to be, quote, the world's oldest environmental and human rights film festival. It's 10 days of independent films from around the world screened at venues across the Queen City, like the Main Street Landing Filmhouse. On October 27th, viewers had already taken their seats inside to watch Happening, a suspenseful French film set in the 1960s about one woman's struggle to access reproductive health care. The festival has grown and changed over its 30-plus years. Orly Yadin is VTIF's executive director. She says the festival tries to emphasize the significance of independent art house cinema,
5: We don't have the word international in our title for nothing. We don't just want to show American films, which is what most commercial cinemas in the US do. Seeing what other filmmakers, mainly independent filmmakers that we show from around the world, from all five continents, from so many different countries, what they do and the kind of films they make is an amazing way to begin to understand other cultures.
2: As was the case for most organizations and businesses, the pandemic hit VTIF hard. In early 2020, the group's Global Roots Festival was about to start. The three weekend event showcases films with a theme or from a specific region. Yudin says the onset of the pandemic caught VTIF and the entire film industry off guard.
5: Our Global Roots Film Festival, it was about to start on March 6th and we had been working on it for four months, five months, and then we went into lockdown. First of all, we had to immediately cancel. Obviously, everything was shuttered. And within 48 hours, we had set up our own virtual cinema platform and started showing films virtually.
2: So, VTIF pivoted. In 2020, the Vermont International Film Festival was also entirely online. It was an entirely new concept for the group. They'd only ever held in-person screenings for the film festival.
5: It wasn't such a concept for arthouse theaters or film festivals to do that. Nobody did it. The only streaming platforms were the mega streaming platforms.
2: Last year, the Vermont International Film Festival of 2021 was partially in person. They offered about 20 virtual films that year, but also allowed people to watch them in person. Gail Kluck is the associate director of VTIF. She said things still didn't feel the same.
0: So last year, it was not our usual festival. We were also checking vaccination cards at the doors. Everyone was masked. Uh, Receptions were a little more difficult.
2: So far, virtual screenings are here to stay. This year, the Vermont International Film Festival screened 10 films virtually. Yadin, VTIF's executive director, says the organizers were unsure if the festival would ever see the same numbers of attendees that they did before the pandemic.
5: So far, it's looking good. However, at the same time, cinemas generally, whether they're art houses or just regular cinema chains, are saying that definitely numbers are down.
2: Yadin says that VTIF is unsure if they'll continue to offer virtual screenings. Their decision will depend on the popularity of the virtual screenings this year, as well as how much distributors charge the organization to virtually
0: screen each film. That was Emma Otten. Twenty percent of students, staff, and faculty don't have enough to eat. That's according to the Center for Health and Wellbeing at the University of Vermont. One service on campus is trying to help. Emily Simea reports.
2: um,
0: On a recent sunny Tuesday, two students
3: drop off a big box of donations at the Rally Cats cover. uh, The food pantry, which is about the size of a classroom, is located inside the Davis Center the hub of student life at the University of Vermont. Inside, there are stacks of non-perishable canned and boxed foods along shelves. There are also fridges full of produce and dairy products. The pantry was started in February 2020, right before the pandemic started. It is open Tuesday and Thursday afternoons. It's staffed by volunteers. Most of them are students of the university. Breaking down the shame associated with using the food pantry has been a big part of what RallyCats has prioritized, Mallory McGalliard is Rally Cat Cupboards' graduate student representative.
2: Or they're too proudful for themselves that they don't want to, you know, take part in that. But here, I feel like Maven, I have really put an effort and been very deliberate about building this community to break down that stigma, especially for college students.
3: Anyone can stop by, regardless of their own economic status. And organizers say the need is growing. There has been over a 57% increase in visitors since the start of the fall 2022 semester, and that number keeps rising. In October, more than 1,000 visitors stopped by. One reason?
2: Inflation. And basically, like, what the issue has come to is they're so expensive, inflation is so high on them that, like, even as a, like, nonprofit donation-based, um, like, organization, we're not getting the same type of donors be willing to like just give away eggs.
3: That's Maeve Forbes, the undergrad leader of Rally Cat's Cupboard and a senior at UVM. And inflation is hitting Rally Cat's too. Foods such as eggs and juice have increased in price so much that donors are no longer willing to give away some of the same products that they used to.
2: So it's hard to find anything that's worth the price for the amount She says
3: members of Rally Cat's Cupboard have been working hard at trying to spread the word about their operations, as well as try to help college students learn how to cook meals from their dorm and share creative ways that they can deal with food insecurity away from home. Right down the street from UVM, Food Not Cops offers students and Burlington community members free shared lunch every day. They center their mission around people and human connection. When the pandemic hit, the group which was in touch with much of Burlington's unhoused population, restructured in order to fill a need. Sam Bliss is their volunteer and food rescue manager.
1: And the governor's orders were like, everyone has to be at home. They were kind of like, oh, all these people who don't have homes, what are you doing, what do you need, how can we help? And so they started like having mutual aid shares every day at 1, and then I and a couple other people from Food Not Bombs were like, I think we can make food happen every day. And we just kept doing it for a long time.
3: In December, Food Not Cops will celebrate its 1,000th day in operation. Inflation has been less of a challenge for Food Not Cops. The group sources most of its food from food waste that is headed towards the dump.
5: The inflation thing, Yeah.
1: food being more expensive, you, you might think that like, oh, it's really valuable and they're gonna make some effort at, in the businesses and the industry to, to waste less and that's really not the case.
3: University of Vermont student Brooke McKean got involved with the collective after the murder of George Floyd in 2020. She says in addition to helping those who are food insecure, Food Not Cops builds community.
2: Another like, really awesome, beautiful thing about about distro and about Food Not Cops is is that, that relationship building that doesn't involve giving somebody a physical thing and that is like sharing experience and knowledge and wisdom and stories.
3: Both Rally Cats and Food knock Cops offer a safe environment for all people to share food, ideas, and community.
0: This has been a special episode from Local Wire. This episode was produced by Brittany Patterson and hosted by me, May Naguski. The reporters you heard today include Jared Papp, Louise Scoville, Emma Otten, and Emily Simea. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to hear more Vermont news, check out our website at communitynews.net.